This week's episode of I Was a Teenage Film Snob is not brought to you by Chuck Tops. Welcome to I Was a Teenage Film Snob. I'm James Chalmers, your friendly neighbourhood film snob. And uh, as I mentioned last week, guys, I'm running out of gas. The the plutonium, uranium is, is almost dry. I'm going to have to get this time machine out of the 80s soon. Otherwise, I'm going to get stuck here. Uh, but we have enough fuel for one more trip through the 80s. And this week, I'm very happy to welcome back one of my favourite guests. I feel like I said about every guest, but this is this really is one of my favourite guests. Last time she was here, I open by calling her a big old dork and then she proved not to be a dork at all which uh, was very very cool but she has brought maths to the show tonight so we will have to reassess uh her cool status uh she she is very lovely wonderful and talented please welcome back the amazing maddie schultz good evening thanks for having me back on hooray so glad to have you back i do hope that my time machine does last we're, we're running on fumes here but we should be able to get through the 80s in one oh, piece i'm sure i'm sure we'll be okay that's it if not there are worse places to, to be stranded i suppose <laughs> we've got lots and lots of different modes of transport to get us somewhere else that's it how are <laughs> you doing this evening I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I keep looking over at my embarrassing map that just everybody <laughs> needs to know about. Yeah. Well, last week you brought in, or not last week, but last time you you brought in a big old mind map, which was on A, was like A2 or A1 page. It was huge. Uh, A2. Mm. So four, four A4 pieces of paper put together. There we go. There's that maths already. Um, this week I believe you brought <laughs> a different tool to support you. I did. I did. I was like, right, can't do a mind map. That's lame. We need to top this. We need to go further. <laughs> we need to be even more of an absolute loser. So I have done a Venn diagram. <laughs> she she puts the Venn in vengeance. It's, <laughs> it's I put the dire in diagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's got vengeance. It's got die. Like it's 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 pretty metal. I mean, uh, clearly it's a high stakes, you know, equation <laughs> that I've got going on. Clearly, I want to show you my absolute dedication to this podcast and my seriousness in giving good content. I appreciate it because all of my notes are just on a on a document, like a little like word file on my phone. Um, so I'm just I'm just snooping down my nose in my phone every now and then. But we oh, had a chat. I can, I can go all over mine like a like I don't know like a Zelda map. I don't oh, have to go down a, sick, a list in one a direction. Sick reference. <laughs> you, you boring boring man. You have to I'm be able to travel. Well, <laughs> we did talk about how I was having some trouble with Zoom. I was like, I don't know if I can get I need to. Like, I was like, wife, help me, please. Uh, no, what happened help me, was. Help me fix the Zoom connections on the internet, please. Have I clicked the right buttons? Where do you plug the AV cables? Why can uh, I not see myself? <laughs> uh, well, the problem is because I use her Zoom account for all of the recording, this little behind the scenes that. I don't know if the listeners, listeners are interested in, but there we go. Um, and the other day she was at work and she had to use it, which is fair enough, it's hers. And she logged <laughs> me out and I couldn't get back in. So I was just like, I need the code. You were like, wife, can I please have unlocking now? <laughs> I was like, I'd like to use the video, please. Um, <laughs> Not until you've done your homework. Oh, man. But we're here. We're, we made it work, which is very, very good. Um, 
So you made an interesting comment before we started, and in, interesting as much as I completely forgot. But you were huh? like, so just so you know, I, I wasn't born in the 80s. Because um, I always think that you're the same age as Tina and I were very much in that ballpark. You're not that far off. You're not that much younger than us. But you are a 90s kid. Mm. Um, so one thing we've been talking about through this series is, is the 80s even relevant to you? What does it mean to you? Or are you just kind of like, eh, it was a time and like I don't really care about it. Well, I was thinking about that because I listened I listened back to your episode with Tina because I you know, can't get enough of Tina when I miss her. If, if there's a podcast with her voice in it, I'll put it on just to feel close to my friend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was listening to her and like how she sort of spoke about what the 80s meant to her. And, yeah, I've only... I've only got what the media has left behind. I've mm. only got what films or what world events or, um, you know, political figures, etc. I've only got their legacy or what they've left behind to base my judgments off. Um, so, like, it's not real. My complete understanding or my complete grasp of the 80s or vibe of the 80s is complete fallacy, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird knowing that, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I asked that question as if I lived through the 80s, but, like, I was born in 88, so, like, I didn't I didn't experience the 80s. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I literally, like, my formative years were the 90s, like like most people on the show. Um, but I always go back to the music, like, almost more than the movies. I feel like the 80s, like, if, you, if you're looking for a def- like, sense to define it, all you have to do is crank on any track from the 80s you're like that is Mm. exactly what that decade was I'm Um, incredibly visual and so mm. like the fashion sticks out Mm. to me like I could I could almost feel that really rough thick solid denim or like you Mm. know the the smell of the the hairspray in all of the teased and permed hair and um I feel like that's got more of a connection for me the tactile or the, the smell rather than, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I think there's a lot of um, leather or, or pleather. Um, I think there's a lot of <laughs> scarves. I think there's a lot There's a lot of animal print. Yeah, um, the, the sound of boots even. Yeah. Like heavy boots or, yeah. yeah I, I think like you're maybe. the first person to bring up the fashion and, like, it's, it's – which is interesting because it is so definitive, like – Mm. And not the previous decades didn't have fashion. Like you look at the 70s and, and definitely the 50s and 60s, you can tell. Um, and yep. then everything before that, everyone just, just sad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's clothes were just black and white, right? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. The, the world was like, what, what was your style? Sad. Um, and then the 50s and 60s, everything kind of pops. You have that mod kind of look. And then obviously the 70s goes a bit darker again um, and more kind of hippie-ish and, uh, you know, mm. long-flowing clothes and then um and, and a lot of fringe a lot of fringe on jackets and, and shirts and stuff in the 70s <laughs> but then the 80s is this colorful explosion of yeah like animal and denim and mm. yeah very interesting um but I found I'm glad it so you... interesting that, like men like the men's clothing you can tell is like thicker heavier louder mm. stompier and the women's is like how how little can i wear how stretchy like <laughs> lycra yeah a lot of that lycra yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad you brought it up because, as I said, no one's really mentioned the fashion yet, but that is such a obvious one. I always think of, I don't know if you've ever watched this show, and I know we don't really talk about TV, but I'll make an exception. Um, this sitcom called The Goldbergs, um, mm. which is very much, is all about the 80s. And, like, all they do is reference 80s movies, 80s pop culture, that sort of thing. And, like, the mum is just constantly, like, jazzercising, wearing, like... <laughs> 
she's got like the like the, the the lycra pants and like the lycra top, whatever, which has like the G string in it. Yeah, like, like it's like a it's a built in yeah a built in the Leo. butt floss, but obviously then you wear the pants beneath it, so it's not it's not rude. So but then it's, it's suddenly very, modest. Yeah, it's a really weird decision. <laughs> and like, yeah, this is what people are going to exercise in. This is comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like, just wear a top and shorts. What's with why do you? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do when I when I get a chance when I try to exercise. It's just like what tracky pants, shorts done that'll um, do that was very aussie me yeah, track tracky pants let me, <laughs> let me get me bloody trackies on that's about as uh i don't get very aussie um you turned it down <laughs> the last time you were on you're like g'day <laughs> oh my my g'day good on me yeah but then people were making fun of me because i think dave hughes says it and i was like oh no <laughs> oh no that's i wouldn't go that far I was that's, talking to that, Tina about saying g'day all the time. It's my, like, accidental default to, like, random, like, when I'm walking around the schoolyard and a teacher walks past that I don't really know by name or anything, they're always like, hello, really politely, and I'm always like, g'day. And then as I walk, <laughs> like, they've, as we've passed each other, I'm sort of in my own head like, what the fuck was that? Why would you, why? <laughs> Bashing the corks away from your face. Oh, and then, of course, yeah. I'll go back to the staff room and be like, Tina, it fucking happened again. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that's your it happened again moment. Oh. <laughs> usually so say for, usually say for people following a werewolf transformation, be like it happened again. It happened I said again. G'day. Yeah, like you know how like a, a kid like looks up at their mom after the mom embarrasses them and goes, Mom, why are you so embarrassing? Like I just do it to myself. <laughs> why? <laughs> your your kid is uh got a lot to look forward to. <laughs> she'll be like mom you're embarrassing and i'll be like i'm sorry i know i can't help it it won't stop yeah your kid's pretty cool like no offense but you're gonna be she's gonna leave you in her tracks very quickly <laughs> my kid too like my kid's infinitely cooler than i'll ever be oh it's so um, weird how did that happen <laughs> well but she they got dogs for parents that's that's what it is true, true. they need to go the opposite direction so. yeah we're like please be cooler than us like just don't don't do what we did <laughs> Learn from our mistakes. Um, this is derailed very quickly, which I was, I was, I was like, it's going to happen. I'm very excited. If I talk to Maddie, it is going to derail. I also learned, and we're definitely getting off track, but I need to bring this up. I had a very interesting conversation with my wife a couple of weeks ago um, in preparation for Zoe's birthday party. We didn't have a show drop that weekend because it was very much party, party, party mode. Um, and she goes, I spoke to Maddie and Maddie said, now, Tina, do you have jobs for James to do? Because if you don't, I will distract him. <laughs> like in the morning, it's a big deal. And the family come around and, you know, you, you know, you want to keep your house clean and, you know, clean the toilets. And then I knew that she'd want Zoe to eat and go to sleep. And then she'd want to have a shower and do her makeup. And, and I knew that there'd be jobs that you would have to do. And I was like, fuck, I'm useless. I'm just going to come and bugger it all up. And I'm just going to distract <laughs> her. I'm going to distract you. And I really like, at least if I know what your jobs are, I can be like, Let's shut up, quick, go to the vacuuming. Or like, oh, I was so stressed about that. I, <laughs> I just knew I would derail the two of you. I was, uh, I said to her, okay, it's just pretty rich of me to just assume that I'm that distractible, that just her presence will maybe be like, what was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you remember hanging outside for like 45 minutes with the girls? And, yeah, yeah, but that was okay. That was a task. That was like, just watch the kids while I have a shower. I was like, all right, no yeah. worries. Yeah, yeah. true. We, yeah, we were, yeah, we were doing good then. Yeah. I am. I am. Uh, I have been married long enough, been in a relationship long enough to know that if there is a job to be done, the job gets done. 
Um, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise she has to do the job. But then, like, I don't, I don't want to do that to her. That's not fair. <laughs> I've been around long enough to know that if something's going to be derailed, it's going to be derailed by me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Hence true. The warning. Oh, <laughs> uh, too funny. But that's good. That's that's why you're here. I'm like, I, I just, I, I love a derailed conversation. Um, and there's always a lot of fun tangents there. Um, so you've got a list of five. Is that right? Because I've seen, I've had a look at your Venn diagram, and there's definitely more <laughs> than five on there. Um, yes. You, you brought in a couple I have of two. On the, I have wait, two what? lists of five. I have two lists of five. Oh, my goodness. Because... This is going to be a long episode. <laughs> no, 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 because no, no, we're not talking about the first list. But the first, oh, okay. list, the first list is like the nostalgia, like the ones that, you know, everybody loves, the cult classics, like, of course I love these and I'm going to mention that I love these. Because yeah, of course. Good stuff. Of course. But then the, I've called them the slower slower but growers. <laughs> They're the ones sounds, that are like. <laughs> sounds vaguely dirty, but I'll allow it. <laughs> oh. A dirty mind is an awful thing to waste. Yeah. Um, they're the ones that, like, I saw, I think, later when I was mm. older and I've seen them lots more and I just, I've tightened my grip and they're the ones that I'm most passionate about now other than, like, yeah, like Star Wars and Blues Brothers. Like, no, that's, that's, what, I, so that's yeah. what I did with my list as well. Yeah. I came in and I said, look, obviously... I like Star Wars. Obviously, I like Indiana Jones, all that sort of thing. So, for here are five that I love. I also watched all of them later in life, with the exception of Blues Brothers. I put it on my list because A, it is one of my favorite films of all time. And B, mm. no one at that point had mentioned Blues Brothers. I'm like, this is going to be a real shame if no one brings it up. So, I'm going to bring it up. But everything else, I was like, look, these are great flicks that I love. I watched them in my late 20s. But these flicks, not only are, are, are they, you know, really wonderful stories for their time, they hold up. Mm. And, you know, in the 80s, like, First of all, it's a time, you know, when they're starting to play with visual effects, they're starting to try a few different things, and the quality is very hit and miss in as much as, like, oh, the nostalgia might not be enough to keep it going. <laughs> like, sometimes, Yeah, like, it's a know. risk. You're sort of like, wow, yeah. Mm. And, you yeah. know, we were talking about weird science before we started, um, I think it was before we started recording, maybe we talked about, well, yeah, we did, because we are talking about the weird, the weird sexual tropes <laughs> of 80s films. <laughs> weird science is one of those films where, like, it's really fun, but... There are some very casual uses of slurs in there that you could get away with in the eighties. So I was like, "Well, yeah. are we still doing that? Like, that's not really okay anymore." Yeah, now it's uncomfortable to watch some of those bits that you, it sort of taints the movie. It sort of mm. ta- is taints the right word? Taints, yes. taints, taints. I don't know. Are you I'm, saying taint yeah. too much? Yeah, no, I'm sort of like. Mm. But I'm not as an English the, teacher, people. Like, hey, taints is the correct is the correct phrase. Oh, I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> Sorry. No, this is amazing. Well, yeah, with, with, with my to work out like because yeah, I've did pretty much what a few other people have done and gone crap. I don't really watch eighties films, or I didn't really like the the mainstream, um, you know, c- comedy styling of eighties films, or um, like the bravado action films. Mate, like I thought I didn't like them, but yeah. So I had to do my Venn diagram to like figure out like which films I'd seen and then actually noticed that I had enjoyed a lot more than I thought, which mm. was really fun. But well, like, those, yeah. 80s, those 80s comedies are very, can be very problematic because whilst they're very fun, they're very, I was, gonna say, I was like, I was going to say misogynistic is too tough a word, but no, they're very misogynistic. And mm. often those films, the only reason a girl is in it is to get her boobs out. Yeah. Well, which, yeah. Is like, which is like, hey, 
that's fine, but give him something else to do. Like, you know, she can be funny and get her boobs out. Like, <laughs> why limit her to one skill set? <laughs> um. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I sort of scrolled through some lists um, on the internet to try and sort of, yeah, narrow it down. And, like, I've realised, like, I haven't seen, like, any, I think, Leslie Nielsen stuff. Was his oh, stuff in the 80s? Oh, yeah, Naked yeah, Gun. Okay. Yeah. Um, Airplane or, or Flying High, we call it here in Australia. Um, yeah. Well, like I haven't seen, um, like, I haven't seen Caddyshack or. Oh, yeah. But That's those a really ones, good one, yeah. But they don't interest me. Like, I just don't, like, I don't know really anything about them. But for some reason, in the back of my mind, I just know that the style of the comedy just won't reach me. So I'm just yeah. not reach. I'm just not going for it. So, well, yeah. Naked Gun's a tough one now because. Um, O.J. Simpson is one of the leads in all three films. Okay, so um, problematic. Problematic. Yeah. Like it's one of those things where, like, I think if you grew up with it, you're able to separate art from separate art from artists to the point where, like, look. Yeah. And he's like, obviously, like, I don't even like, obviously, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't even need to go to like just yeah, he's, he's a bad character, but like, there's enough in him. Like, look, I can separate art from artists enough to enjoy the film. For the parts I do. Flying High is wonderful. I haven't seen it in a number of years, but it, it's really, really good. And it's kind of like the birth, and I would even say the perfection of that spoof comedy, that kind of like, okay. Um, you know, we, I, I often hear people describe, you know, there's a time before and after scary movie. And after scary movie is when subtlety went out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and Naked Gun and, and those films are a little bit more, I don't say nuanced because that's not true, but they're just a little bit, a little bit more palatable and they're not too on the nose. They're kind of just like, hey, like, you know, um, they're a little bit more well-balanced, I think. But, yeah, Flying High is wonderful, really good fun. Okay. Um, and Leslie Nielsen isn't the main character, main actor, and he is in it, um, but he's playing a more supportive role, which I think if you're not into his style of comedy would work better as well because um, I love his comedy. I grew up on that. That's what my dad raised me on. But if you're not into that style of comedy, it, mm. can, it can be very annoying. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that, yeah, I think that that's the style that I just – probably can't get into because I wasn't exposed when I was younger to that sort of mm. comedy. And so as an adult now, like you're right, some of the the themes or some of the like choices in those films don't hold up. So then I'm just sort of, I'm too critical. I get pulled out of just yeah. enjoying the comedy and mm. yeah. Well, one of my favourite jokes from that movie is that there's the three pilots. You've got the, like the, I don't even know. I don't even know how you describe. I don't know what the roles in, in operating a plane are, but there's three of them, and yeah. there's like there's like yeah, the captain, like a co-captain, and then um, yeah, ca- the pilot, co-pilot, and there's like a navigator, or whatever. And they're it's like pilot. It's like uh, their surnames are Clarence under, um, and and Roger, I think. And there's a oh, whole okay. bit where they're like, and they're like, what's our clearance, Clarence? What's our over under? What Roger? Something like that. It's like, it's really, yeah. really silly, for, like jokes, but like gets me every time. Like, oh, yeah, I like that. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's, if a you who's know, on, it's, it's a who's on first, what's yes, on second. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. absolutely that. Yeah. Um, excellent. Um, but Naked Gun, Flying High, not on your list. <laughs> no, I just, yeah, I just don't think so. Interesting. Um, all righty. So do you want to go through like those ones that, like in near misses first or you want to go straight into like hey here's my list and then i'll talk about the stuff that's obvious i'll rattle off the nostalgia faves go for uh, it the ones that hit the middle of the venn diagrams um <laughs> i'm still so thrilled that you did a venn diagram i had to i had to nerd <laughs> out so of course star wars is at the top like it's just yeah, like these are the films that I'm like, no, like I will never not like these films. I will never not really be excited for the day I can show these to my kids or, 
Yeah, so nice Star one. Wars. Is it just yeah. Empire or is it? do you go for Return of the Jedi as well? Are they both up there for you? Oh, they're both bloody glorious, but yep. Empire's Empire's my favourite. It's, it's, it's just, genius. Yeah, but it's only edged, you know, slightly above. The, wow, know, okay, interesting. But it's it's the top. And then Back to the Future, Blues uh, Brothers, Land yep. Before Time and Big Top Peewee are tied for fourth. And Gremlins Interesting. Is Gremlins. I don't think – I think Josh talked about Gremlins. I can't remember now. Yeah. But, yeah, Gremlins is a, is a weird one. Like, I love Gremlins, but it's really dark. Like, yeah. Do like you remember the- how we were talking about how, like, if a scary movie is, like, gory, I can- if it's suspenseful or whatever, I can't cope, but if it's gory, I can, and I think mm. that's about Gremlins. Like, like that kitchen scene with the mum – She's she's an MVP, by the way. We spend the whole film trying to kill like one gremlin. She walks into the kitchen and she kills four, like straight yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like a blender, she stabs with a knife, blows one up in the microwave, and she throws another one in the fucking fire. Like she's <laughs> get her out there. Why are we wasting time with the two teenagers? The mum can just handle them. I um I, I definitely get the gore thing. Tina's the same. Like that's why I sh- that's why I tend to show her slashes because slashes aren't really scary. They're quite violent, but like mm. you know you can see it coming most of the time. Um, so yeah, I think blood and gore. I think a lot of people who are a bit unsure about horror de- tend to lean more to that. Whereas the suspense, or like yeah. s- with Tina, I always say that the, the rule are no ghosts, no children, no mirrors. That's yeah. Tina's rules um, yeah. for for enjoying a horror film. Um, but yeah. Uh, there's also that really messed up scene where, like, they talk about like the dad committing suicide, but like he's dressed yeah. up as Santa. He, like, how he falls down the chimney and like dies in the chimney as Santa. Yeah. Or yeah, but like the best bit about that is like the delivery. They, I think they deliberately did like two takes of that, mm. and then they chose to like pick the one that was really ambiguous because then the audience could kind of decide if it was funny or not. Mm. Like. It was a deliberate decision to be like, is this a sad story or are you meant to kind of giggle at it? Like, mm, yeah, it's definitely. So fucked and so evil and so great. <laughs> it's um, it the eighties was this was this time where they really did comedy horror well, like, mm. um, and they they brought it back since then. There's definitely some good ones out there. Like, I wouldn't call it a comedy, but Get Out I think is a perfect example of a film that is a horror film. But it's also when it's meant to be funny, it's really funny mm. uh, and very awkwardly funny. And um, obviously, Shaun of the Dead um, does a little bit of that as well. But a lot of the time, when they do comedy horrors, it's just like it's just it's a big silly. Yeah. Um, but these films, like Gremlins and particularly Ghostbusters, which is another one like that, when it's meant to be scary, it's scary. Like even yes. today, and when it's meant to be funny, it's funny and really enjoyable. Um, plus, Gremlins, you know, always gets my vote because it's got Phoebe Cates, who is one of the greatest actresses of the eighties full time. Um, nothing but love for Phoebe Cates, but um, yeah, Gremlins is a good one. And there's a there's a dog in it, and the dog doesn't die. Yep. That's good. Always a win. A, love and having a dog in there that doesn't die. But I think the bit that I I still hold on to, so I like you know, I liked it as a kid, I liked it as a teen, and I like it as an adult because I'm still obsessed with like the um like the the effects. I'm still you know, mm-hmm. the pra- practical effects, like the. They're so simple in terms of like figuring out how they're going to do something, and you kind of know what they've done, but you love it. Like, like you know, there's a gremlin spinning on a fan, so they've literally like stuck a puppet to the fan and turn the fan on. But yeah, it just, exactly. That's why it looks so good. Or like, you know, stripes been melted down, you know, right at the very end, and he's like goo, but the goo's like breathing, and like clearly 
it looks like a bubble, and it is. It's a bubble or a balloon. Like, yeah, exactly. I love it. Well, they did this thing in the 80s. It was big in the 80s, especially in horror, where they would do that ballooning. Um, and there's one movie, I can't remember what it was called, and I think it was called, like, Maniac or something. And they're like, yeah, we took the ballooning too far in that. And, like, because <laughs> all it was, it was literally just like a, a pump under, like, a latex mask. And they just turn on an air pressure and just, like, let it expand. expand. And, yeah. like, this one movie, Maniac, I think it was called Maniac. I can't remember. I think it was called Maniac. That was his whole transformation. Just keep ballooning and ballooning and ballooning. And like, yeah, we went overboard with it in that one, but it's all we had access to. So it was probably cheap too. <laughs> yeah, it was very big in the eighties. Um, yeah. And then Pee Wee. Um, mm, big top Pee Wee. Is that the one with? Um, is that the one where it's like everyone's got a big butt? Let's talk about your big butt. Is that the one? Is that it? <laughs> or is that a different Pee Wee? I film? remember that. It's the one where the circus come and like take over his farm. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm thinking of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Big Adventure. So Big Adventure is when his bike gets stolen and he thinks it's at the Alamo. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm thinking of, yeah. And that's, you know, I think that was Tim Burton's, like, he did Frank and Weenie first and then they were like, hey, this guy's weird enough to do Pee-wee, so let's put him on Pee-wee. Mm. Um, and I loved it, yeah. Big Top was, sorry, um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure is amazing, but, yeah, I think... For me personally, I just liked the circus one, the idea of running away with the circus or all the animals and the trapeze and, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen Big Top Peewee. You could have put that on your main – you're like, these are the ones that everyone loves. No one has mentioned (laughs) Peewee. What? I thought it was like, you know, a cult classic sort of we don't need to talk about them because everybody knows them. Oh, no, definitely bring bring it. Like bring Peewee because, um, (laughs) yeah. And that's not I'm saying it's not a classic, but yeah, most people I've spoken to like have not like Pee Wee has not been mentioned. Um, I think he's a very, I think Pee Wee's a very acquired taste. The whole la la la, like that kind oh, of. And every ten seconds, was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a solid Pee Wee impression. <laughs> that's a, it's 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 really scary how good it is. To be honest, Maddie. I watched it a lot. <laughs> Uh, I can even do the dance, the tequila dance. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, and I don't think Tina's seen any any of the Pee Wee stuff. I I I I don't know why I think this, and I've never confirmed it, but I feel like she is repulsed by Pee Wee. <laughs> I reckon, I reckon show a big top before Big Adventure. Because um, Big Adventure has this narrative that you're like, and you're here, and then there's this person and this character and their problems, and then suddenly we're over here, and then we're in a car, and then we're with an ex-con, and then we're suddenly in a hotel that looks like a dinosaur. Like, it's, mm. it's really erratic, which is hard to keep, like, interested in maybe as an adult. But if you're – show a big top, because at least we're in one spot. We've got, like, a main goal of, like, the farm and helping the circus. And, mm. yeah, I reckon show her that one first. But, yeah, warn her that he's – Mm-hmm. He's in a quiet taste. He has the most beautiful, gorgeous skin and straightest flipping teeth I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> there is no other actor out there that has his skin and his teeth. They're flawless. He's, he's uh, And he's still at it, Paul Rubens. He's still doing all sorts of crazy stuff. I think he had a Pee Wee show not long ago, actually. I think he was still doing Pee Wee on one of the streaming services only a couple of years ago. That would make sense, though, because I was talking to Dave about this, about how, like, I wasn't sure. I'm like, was he like a comic book character first and then um, Rubens brought him to life? And, and then we looked it up and, no, he was just like a comedic character of his, sort of like, you know, what is it, Dame Edna's, um, mm. you know, Barry Humphreys. It's one of their stage characters and I just had no idea. And then I thought, Jesus, imagine playing that 
like like that's who people go to see for major comedy gigs all the time like what does he do on stage? I want to know what he does. Like, because Dame Edna's just a bitch and just like heckles everyone. Yeah. Like, what does Pee Wee do? Just ha <laughs> like, <laughs> No jokes, no props, just that for now, straight. He just, he just picks things up and like looks at them and laughs. Or, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop doing a laugh. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen Big Top Pee. I've, I've seen Pee's Big Adventure. I'm pretty sure because yeah, there's a bit where he's like sitting. Yeah, I only remember that one line, and he's sitting up like in like I feel like it's a giant donut or something with a girl, mm-hmm. and like the girl's boyfriend or like the guy who's into that girl hears him and obviously mishears the conversation because she's like basically she's like, she's like I want to be a star, but and he goes everyone's got a big butt. What's your you know? Let, tell me, let's see your big butt or whatever. And then the guy's like, what? <laughs> He's uh, listening in at the door like, what are you? Yeah. <laughs> what is this conversation <laughs> with my woman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Paul Rubens, what a crazy guy. He was in Batman Returns as well. Was he in a Home Alone film as a bellhop or am I imagining that? No. He, um, I know who you're thinking of. You're thinking of Lost in New York and it's a very young we were also talking about him before the show, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider, okay. Oh. You got your your so staff your staff in that movie, um, are Rob Schneider and Tim Curry. Tim Curry, oh well, of course. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's a great movie as well. I know. <laughs> and I know it's I know it's we're still in August, or it'll be September when this episode goes up. Oh, can't getting, wait for Christmas. We're, we're getting close to Christmas, and we're doing Christmas episodes. So. Oh. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, okay, so those movies aren't on your list. <laughs> no, they're well, they're on my like forever. I will always love you list. Yeah, but they're, they're not excellent. the ones that I'm like. Damn, I want to talk about these today. Uh, nice one. Well, everyone should check out Pee Wee. Get and like if you haven't seen Pee Wee, even just quickly YouTube like Pee Wee's voice, and you will realize how terrifyingly accurate Maddie is. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> I'm going to take snippets off it and send as my ringtone. Just like <laughs> try and do like a personalized message. <laughs> James, can I come to the third right now? <laughs> I, I said it more Marvin. Yeah, I know. Marvin the Martian. Yeah, I can't do. Prepare I, I, to be annihilated. Yeah, I haven't been as exposed to Pee Wee as you have. So. <laughs> uh, excellent. All right. Well, let's jump into your. <laughs> I've lost control of the show. <laughs> Um. <laughs> we need like one of those stage hooks to just that drag us off stage, just smack us in the face and say, "Get, get snuggle puss, exit stage left." <laughs> uh, I, uh, I I didn't tell you this, but I've been up since four thirty. Zoe woke me up very early this morning, so oh, dear. <laughs> I'm a little bit loopy, uh, but that's okay. All right, <laughs> Lion the face. list, lemon face. Um, we'll get into your uh, top five. What is number five on your eighties list? Number five on my slower but grower is Pretty in Pink. Interesting. Mm. A John, I was not expecting you to pull out a John Hughes film based on the conversation we had the other day about your, you know, dislike for Ferris Bueller. I was like, generally if people don't like Ferris Bueller, they don't like any part of me, John Hughes. Pretty in Pink, um, mm. one that I have not seen. I think it's one of the few John Hughes films I haven't seen. Tell me about Pretty in Pink. I saw it as, I don't know, it must have been mid-20s, I think, is the first time. I was like, nah, I'm going to start looking at these old 80s romances because I do like romances and I do like I didn't teen... know that about you either. 
No, I do. I like them. I, yeah, I, I just do. I do. They're sort of comforting. You know where they're going to go. If they don't go where you think, that's even better. Yeah. No, I like a good romance. And is this um, the one, is this the one with Ducky? Is that yes? Yes. Okay. And okay. so that's why that's my yeah. main. Yeah, Molly Ringwald's arc is fine. It drives the plot. Um, her big reveal at the end, I don't get, but that's because I think the dress is heinous um, and she looks like a napkin and I don't like it. Um, but Ducky, yeah, um, can't remember what his name is. Uh, who plays John Cryer? John Cryer, yeah. So he's, 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 he's one and a half men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's the shorter one of the two. Not the shortest, but the shorter one of the brothers. Um, yeah, his performance, his dialogue, his delivery, his, like, commitment, the, like, he, his body language I really respond to in terms of just his, like, like his rolly heads and his rolly shoulders and he breaks the fourth wall and you know what I'm talking about to the mm. audience and, you know, yeah, I'm all, I'm all up for someone being an absolute loser and just doing it anyway and going for it and, yeah, putting it all out there. I love, yeah, I love his character. Um, and what's her face who is in Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters, what do you want? Annie Potts. Annie Potts. She's also the, the voice of Bo Peep in the Toy Story films. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wrong. It wasn't John Hughes. He wrote it, but it was Howard Deutsch that directed it. So Okay. But it's still like it's still pulling out the same. Yeah, it's still pulling out the same flavours. Um, you know, it's not a true John Hughes film because it doesn't have um, Anthony Michael Hall in it. So. <laughs> or um, one of the Estevezes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, 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 re- I think, yeah, I enjoy... The pace is still good. The, you know, the context is still good. But, yeah, the ducky character, I'm a sucker for a dorky best friend who's loyal and there to the end, but he also sticks up for himself. Mm. And I like that he sticks up for himself and tells her that, no, you know, I've put myself, I've fallen at your feet long enough and you're treating me like shit, so, no, I'm done and you need to figure yourself out first. And And is he also, is he also, so he's tragically in love with her as well. Oh, desperately in love with mm. her. But he also, like, she knows. She's, yeah, she's not ignorant to it. She's just stringing him along. I don't know. I think she's just hoping that he'll grow out of it sort of thing and not wanting mm. to confront. The, You're like my little issue. brother. Like, <laughs> Well, no, she's not even saying that. I think she she just sort of does the whole, like, oh, ducky, let's study. Like, she's just yeah. trying to, you know, not have to have that conversation, I think. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he's wonderful. Um, nice one. Yeah, as I have said, we've got Harry Dean Stanton as well, um, who was old in the 80s. Mm. Like, <laughs> it's very problematic because he looks like one of the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> was that from the soundtrack? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I thought that song was in, in the Pretty Pig soundtrack. He looks like one of the teachers. It was a big musical number, if I remember correctly. <laughs> 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 looks like the teachers. It looks like one of the teachers. They're all like clicking. The... <laughs> they push the they push the cafeteria tables to the side as they start. <laughs> Do jazz hands, jazz hands. <laughs> it's like a scene out of fame. Uh, yeah, he was uh, he was pretty old in the, in the eighties. So it's, mm. it's yeah, as mentioned in that number one hit, it's very problematic. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, I do like Harry Dean Stanton, though. So glad he got the work, even if it was very creepy. Mm. Mm. Excellent. That's my number five. That's my number five. Nice one. Never been mentioned on the show. So oh. good one to see. And you said you were going for some, some more uh, unique ones there. So, no, good one. Mm. Um, and now you make me want to watch it, uh, which is the, the wonderful side effect of this show is I just get more recommendations of things that I haven't seen, which is good. So that list, that list would be getting longer and longer and longer. Oh man! And if you see what I post online, like I'm constantly, I'm like I'm, I'm trucking through so much stuff and just not even making a dent. I was like, but there's no way, there's no way you're keeping up with what's been added to that list, though. Someone, someone, a friend of mine messaged me today. She goes, because uh, I was told her, I'm like, I'm going to be doing a big movie order this week because she's really into film as well. Mm. I, only talk to, I only talk to people who like movies, otherwise, just get out of my life. Um, <laughs> And she's like, she's like, you must have about all of the movies by now. And I was like, you are sadly mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, ah, no. <laughs> Not even close. It's, it's depressing, but maybe one day. Um, great choice, Pretty in Pink. And as I said, really made me want to watch it now. Um, mm. the, I would just know I'm going to be disappointed when that song doesn't show up because it's not real. Um, <laughs> nah, sorry. <laughs> just on constant loop in my head all the time. Yeah, you know how I said that you doing Wee was my new ringtone? I just found a new one. <laughs> He's very problematic because he looks like a teacher. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. That's genius. Okay. Uh, people just knew this because normally we're like, geez, he's normally got a handle on things, but he's he's broken tonight. (laughs) No. <laughs> oh, oh god. Okay. Okay. Pretty in pink. Pretty in pink. What it's a is serious film? What is number four? Number four is a tie between the natural with Robert Wed- Robert Wobber Wobber Webford. Robert Redford. <laughs> Thanks, Alma. Um. <laughs> I've spoken about before. Yes, um, you told me, was it on your last list? Is this the, yes, it was. Is yeah. it a horse one? No, it's a baseball. That's right, yes. We're talking about sport movies. And you're yeah. like, do you like sport movies? I was like, I've seen Bender like Beckham. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, The Natural is, uh, yeah, if you, you liked The Sting, you'll like The Natural. I still haven't watched The Sting, but I'm looking forward to watching The Sting. You'll like both, I promise. I promise. Okay. It's, yeah. So, anyway, in a, in a nutshell, Robert Redford is a up-and-coming baseball extravaganza of a man and uh, his um, debut career gets derailed from an injury. I won't tell you how, but then he pops up later on as an older guy and everyone's like, well, you're too old and he's still got it and he's still good mm. and then he joins the league and, um, you know, it helps the team become great again, et cetera, et cetera, and people from his past come back into the woodwork and um but Robert Redford is just like that man doesn't have to do much with his face for you to really just know exactly what he's saying to you in his head mm. like the side eyes or the the stare downs or you know like there's a moment where he's in the batting cages and they're all looking at him being like oh you know this old dude as if he can hit a ball very well at all and the pitchers being all up himself and bravadoed and like just the look that he has on his face is just sort of like like fuck off wait and see <laughs> like it's so I don't you know I don't have to prove anything to you and he doesn't mm. say a word but he's just mm. brilliant and it's you know a beautiful color scheme the, the color scheme to the film is warm and rich and I think it's set in the ugh, 
40s? Oh, I'm not sure. 30s? 40s? I couldn't tell you. I hope, I hope you're okay after that. That weird shut. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> but it looks very, you know, beautiful. Mm. Very beautiful golden age of Hollywood looking color schemes and nice one. Yeah, I, so I, I don't don't mind a bit of Redford. I haven't watched a lot. I recently picked up Seven Watch, but picked up Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kids. So ah, oh, excellent. Very much looking forward to it. Yeah, um, is there a penny farthing in that film? Oh, well, I have yet to watch it, so I don't know. Mm. Tell me. The, the, Text the mo- me if there is. The moment I see it, if I see one, I'll just recreate that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where I'm, like, pointing at the TV. Good. I'll, Otherwise, I've dreamt, a, I've dreamt up a penny farthing into the, into the film, and uh, that's just, a weird thing to do. That's a weird I, just thing. Like to, I just like to imagine that you think every film has a penny farthing in it somewhere. <laughs> like, was the, there a penny the farthing greatest, in Avengers? Greatest, yeah. I could have sworn Hulk was writing a, a The greatest, penny you know, buddy films must have a penny farthing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I also watched, and I know I'm getting off track again, but because you were talking about love stories and also talking about classic Golden Age cinema, I mm. did get around to watching Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Um, well and I know you're a big Burt and Taylor fan, and it was oh, wonderful. Yes. Those two can act. Yeah. And, mm. like, it's just someone asked me, they go, what's that, what's that about? I'm like, well, it's really hard to explain the nuance of it, and if I tell you what it is in the basic plot, you're going to think it's dumb. But pretty much two people have an argument for two hours and make another couple <laughs> very uncomfortable. <laughs> No, nah, that's yep, pretty much it. <laughs> just they, they're, they're fierce. They they're are, just and fierce. it's very, it's very uh, full on for a movie of its time. Mm. Um, apparently, it was like one of the first films to have like a restricted warning over there, like oh, you know maybe you shouldn't take the kids to see this because they get rowdy in this film. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> It was a good one. I liked They're it. Good. So They're just, good I was just caring. passing that on because you were like, you got to watch some Burton and Taylor. I have yep. taken my first step. I've dipped my toe in the lake that is Burton and Taylor. Yay. Very, very good. I clap. I clap. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I really went out of my way to make a huge effort there by sitting down and watching a film. <laughs> um, so the natural getting back on track is mm. one of two. You, you've tied. Yes. Well, so you have six on your top five. Or, yeah, or I just you, couldn't. I couldn't. Or are you like, no, no. Then I've got equal third, equal second. No, 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 no. I've only got an equal fourth. That would be um, amazing if you did. You'll be happy. You'll be happy with with this next choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uncle Buck. Oh, classic. Oh, classic. I haven't seen it in a long time, but um, that film, the first time I saw it, I was would have been almost 20. And so it was already like over 20 years old and just held up ridiculously well. Yeah. Um, it feels like, or it almost feels like a Home Alone prequel because most mm. of the cast, a lot of the cast are in there. Yeah. Um, and it's my- similar, it sort of, yeah, it's got a similar sort of vein of comedy in terms of like there's funny things but they're things that probably hurt or they're things that probably should be serious or, yeah. One yeah. of my favourite moments, it's very early on. I can't remember what the the exact line is, but like Macaulay Culkin is like, he's being inquisitive. He's asking about the human body. And I think he's like, what's the, what's another word for balls? He's like, nuts. <laughs> nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think I watched, I watched that film 
as a young kid so I could identify with the younger kids and I watched it again sort of a bit older so I could identify with the older person, like with the teen daughter. And then I watched it again, you know, even older and I could identify, well, not identify with, but, you know, you sort of, you you pay more attention to the nuances of the adult characters and so it was fun doing that at all different stages. Um, mm. And just the delivery, delivery of some of the bloody excellent writing, fantastic lines. Like I wish I could drive around in his car and have it backfire and have everyone duck <laughs> like shit terror or like when he goes to pick up the eldest daughter because she's out with that dude whose name's Bug. Like why is his name Bug? That's well, weird. It's an, it's an 80s film, man. Like mm. uh, and it's John Hughes. Like a few years later he, he has an older brother called Buzz. So, you know, um, I right. was wrong. I was like, this has, you know, I was like, this feels like a prequel to Home Alone. It has one actor from Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin. It has two. John Candy was in Home Alone. Yes, he was. Good point. Good point. Do you know, do you know John Candy got paid less than the actor who did the pizza guy? Wow. He turned up and he and John Hughes are like, or Chris Columbus or John Hughes? I think him and John Hughes are like buddy, buddy, mates and so he's like yeah screw it I'll come I'll be in home alone but I'll just turn up for a day and don't worry about paying me you don't pay me I'll just turn up for a day so he turned up for like a day and they did like a like a 4 a.m to like four like yeah like they just and that was and of course you know like John Hughes is so obsessed with his lines being delivered right and Chris Columbus doesn't really like rewrites either but Mm. they were just like nah John Candy gets to say whatever the flip he wants and so he did he just turned up Mm. for a day messed around did all his lines and in the end they're like well we should pay you something but they paid him less than the the nobody teenager who played the pizza delivery guy. <laughs> that is what? just crazy. Like, what a uh, uh, if you had of like gun to my head, been like, who plays the parents in Uncle Buck? I would be like, oh, it's the same parents from Home Alone. Like, I literally had erased the other actors from my, that existence. No, no. <laughs> different pages. I thought it was Catherine O'Hara. I was like, I, I would have sworn it was, but nah. um, but the yeah. parents are forgettable. They're not there for most of the film. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I thought um, thought that, but anyway. Um, oh, but it, I just yeah, I just love John Candy. I love the way he so good. Just he always has this expression of just pure like gorgeous, happy like child almost. Or if he's been caught out, it's just such a little sweet like uh oh, done something <laughs> stupid. But like I yeah, I really well, enjoy him. Really enjoy his acting. Well, we and talked yeah. about we talked about Blues Brothers briefly and. He's got does have a huge role in that flick, but gee, like every time he's on screen. Um, yeah, you just you're watching him. You're not watching anyone else. Yeah, yeah. like when they like when they all rock up at the Palace Hotel ballroom to arrest them. He's like, we should stay and enjoy the show, right? Like, let's just <laughs> you know, let's you know, they're meant to be musicians. Let's just see what they're like. <laughs> yeah, they're not going anywhere. They're on stage. We can see them. Like, what's what's your hurry? Yeah, uh, yeah. genius. And then um, I always also think of um, Stripes, um, which I don't know yeah. if you've seen. Um, but definitely yep. one of those more problematic uh, 80s comedies. It's uh, on my okay. list. Yep, Stripes is on my list. It's in my Venn diagram circle of movies for boys, boys to men. <laughs> <laughs> boys to men. Oh, boys to men. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did they go to Russia in in, um, in Stripes? Because if they did, that was a great little link there. I think they do go to Russia. Oh, Potentially. I'm just remembering, like, the military scenes and stuff, yeah. Mm. And has he, has John Candy in that film got a really, really hilarious buzz cut? 
Like yeah, he's got, he, is he like buzzed on the sides, but like yeah. a flat top on the top? Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, and he, uh, he has a very infamous uh, mud wrestling scene as well. <gasps> yes, I forgot. <sighs> yeah. Bless him. And he's and wrestling like part the of me, women. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, like it's two yeah. naked women in him. And I was just like, <laughs> did John Candy write this scene? <laughs> because it feels very deliberate. Well, maybe they were fully clothed and he goes, come on, ladies, let's just. Yeah, it's like, hey, guys, it's, it's a comedy film. Yeah. You know, you've like, got it. You know what we expect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know that, like, if you want this film to be memorable, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm topless, you're topless. <laughs> uh, uh, that's crazy. I love John Candy. Um, yeah, I really, great. I really like John Candy. Yeah. Um, Uncle Buck, great. Uncle pick. Buck. Yeah. I got to rewatch. I haven't seen it in so long. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good one though. There's really good, um, like cuts of music as well like you've got moments of just like sort of I, I'm guessing it would just be undertone yeah cinematic music underneath but you're not really paying attention but then there's just moments of like a real hard-hitting excellent just sort of song that like chops in at the like they write moment like those editors know when that music needs to come in to do its job and like mm. yeah there's some really just great yeah, great editing, great marriage of music versus the action on the screen or, yeah, very clever. Oh, it's got Mr. Sandman in it, which is a great song. Mm. Um, I got it, yeah, I got to go back and rewatch it. Like I've, I've oh. slept slept on this one for too long. It's such a classic film. Like um, when he says to Macaulay Culkin, I think he's like, did you brush your teeth? Yes. Did you run your toothbrush under the faucet to make me think you brush your teeth because I have a friend down at the police department who's in forensic and he can test your, like, he like <laughs> just knows what to say because he's, he's a bullshitter and he knows how to mm. test it out the kids bullshitting. It's, yeah. Yeah. Great. Oh, solid. Great. Another one. So far, you three, I mean, I know that there's definitely four parts one and mm. two. No one has listened to any of your films, so you are on a tear here. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I know we, we, we're going to go through the five. I'm really keen to hear more about this Venn diagram now as well. Like knowing Stripes is on the one for boys. <laughs> no, it's, it's the boys to men circle. The boys to men. My, okay, so my circles for the for the players out at home. Yeah, for those have, playing have, at home, keeping score. Keeping score. I have three. I have three circles in my Venn diagram. Not your casual two because casual two is just a bit primary school. I have three because I'm in secondary school, and. It was the way I could figure out how many films I'd seen and where I would put them. So, like, are these films for the ladies? Are they for family? Are they for just the boys? Or is that, like, where are the crossovers? Because, like, I wanted to really know if I'd just seen more family films than I had films Mm. about, yeah, for women or whatever. So I have Boys to Men Circle, which has got, like, your Stripes, your Terminator, your Mad Max, your Predator. Like, they're, they're made primarily for the boys. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. And then I have for the fam bam, all the kiddies. And that's like your Uncle Buck, your Black Cauldron, your Beetlejuice, Pee Wee, Gremlins, Labyrinth, Crocodile Dundee, um, E.T., Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Never Ending Story, Land Before Time. Like they're clearly mm. like that's that's for the kids and family. They're on, they're on the outside of the circle. I, uh, there are a couple on there. I don't know. Look, I, I, I don't know if Gremlins is for the kids. It's I for know the kids ki- and family. It's for the kids and family. It's for the older kids, the kids who are there. It's for the big kids. And for, the for the young, violent kids. For the, <laughs> for the troublemakers, the animal torturers, yeah. Yeah, the forest burners. Not for the, the upper class children. It's for the ones <laughs> on the other side of the trucks. <laughs> you know, they probably slept under a bridge once or twice. Like, yeah. 
Um, and then I I've don't got know who this character is, but I like it. <laughs> Why do we always end up doing like bonkers accents? I don't know. I promise I mean, we're def- not being it, insensitive. Like it definitely started with your dangerously close peewee mm. accent. Almost got me. Almost got me there. And my third circle is Lady Town. Clearly a film that's made for the ladies, like, you know, um, fame, dirty dancing, breakfast club. Well, that's probably questionable, but whatever. Moonstruck, say anything. Like they're on the outsides. And then there's like crossovers. So there's like maybe this was made hoping to catch family and women, like Look Who's Talking or Twins, Mm -hmm. Danny DeVito and Arnie. I feel like that's like. Made I don't think. For like, I think that it would almost fit in the trifecta. Twins is a great film. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, there was a few that I'm like, I don't know where this is really going. But in terms of the themes, I was mm. like, because it's heavily babies, pregnancy. I was like, well, we are leaning a bit more towards like women would be more watchers of that film than men. Mm. I feel like men might give up. But sure. Like um, what? Arnie is a nice guy in this. I don't want to watch that. Why is he ripping heads off? Yeah, like why isn't he like punching dudes and riding motorcycles and big giant <laughs> shotguns and yeah. And then if yeah, so anyway, my Venn diagram is just that's how I figured it out and figured out what was going on. And then of course, straight in the middle, like in the middle for everybody, everywhere, all the time, is of course Star Wars, um, Back to the Future and Blues Brothers. Like they're just in the middle. Like nice they just one. have to be. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Um, I like it. You went to a lot of work. You like you for one episode. You went to more work than I probably invested in twenty four episodes of this show. Yeah, but that's what I enjoy doing. Mm. I just oh, enjoy I love it. it. I love I just, it. Like, I just enjoy figuring out what the hell my head's thinking and putting it on mm. paper, so I don't have to like unpack the suitcase of crazy all over again. Well, my feeling now is that obviously, first episode mind map, mm. second episode Venn diagram with a third Venn. Mm. diagram so <laughs> yeah, oh shit where are we going the next time i'm thinking like papercraft castle with a working drawbridge uh and we lifted all the secrets come out <laughs> like, a marauder, like a marauder's map oh <laughs> so there you go you've you've, you've, oh, you've done it now damn it yeah no uh, okay <laughs> like I, might one of the, be, I might not be able to put that one back in the box. Oh, God, yeah. what have we done? <laughs> one of the pairs of feet is just your sanity, like oh. leaving, your, leaving your body. You're just going to get a message from my husband saying, stop giving up projects. Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> We're going hungry. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I don't cook dinner. He does. Thank God. Otherwise, remember, we would all go hungry. I heard that very serious conversation you had about setting expectations in the household. Yeah. Um, Yep, he feeds us, let's be honest. Good stuff. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Number three. <laughs> Numero tre. Aliens. What? Aliens. Yes, okay. Aliens. Aliens, because, yeah, the first one is a 70s film. Um, mm-hmm. and aliens, Which I love, but, yeah, we're talking classic. 80s. So I don't mm. know if I've said this on the show or not, but I've gone on the record many times in conversation as saying that I, I prefer Alien to Aliens. To the point where I've refused to watch Alien since I saw it 15 years ago. I just didn't like I didn't like that they killed her daughter. I know, obviously, there's more daughter stuff in this one. I didn't like there was 100 years in the future. I didn't like that they went to an action film. Because remember, as the name of the show, show suggests, I was a teenage film snob. I was like, why would they... They took a perfect haunted house in space and they turned to some mindless action film. That being said... 
I have mm. bought Aliens on Blu-ray this year with every intention of giving it another go because every movie deserves a second chance and I was probably wrong. But I have not seen it in a while, so I'm very open to hearing more about Aliens. Okay, okay. So hear me out. The reason I like it is, mm-hmm. once again, Ripley's protagonist mm-hmm. is wonderfully strong and fierce and decisive mm-hmm. um is I, she is she the best female action hero of all time i know I asked that's, you a question. Re- that's really that is really cruel really cruel to ask because i my first lady crush was sarah connor Linda Hamilton. Mm. So that's just not fair to ask me and I don't think I can betray both of these gorgeous creatures. I love Linda Hamilton um, in Terminator as well. So Mm. um, I'm still in order. I also, just like with Alien to Aliens, I prefer Terminator 1 to Terminator 2, which I understand is blasphemy. But I think um, Sarah Connor, I think even though she has a lot in the second one, she doesn't have a Terminator on her side. So I think like seeing her... Mm. kind of do it more on her own is very interesting. No, I agree with you there in terms of like, you know, breaking down like can women really be action heroes? Well, yes, and they have. And if you think about Sarah Connor, she's a waitress who killed Mm. a killing machine. Like, I'm sorry, a waitress did that. Also, like Terminator 2 was a wonderful film and an absolute classic. There's about 45 minutes of a boy crying in the desert that I could do with that. Um. He's just winning for a good 45 minutes. And everyone seems to gloss over. Like, yeah, but the effects. I'm like, yeah, do you want to affect that boy crying ahead of me? I was getting bored. Um, <laughs> but I do. It is a wonderful film. Like, I'm being silly, obviously. Um, yeah, I always go back to Ripley. Like, it's, she's just so good. She is. Mm. She's, not, she's not written in a way that would betray a leading character. Mm. Like, screw that she's a female for the majority of her dialogue or the majority of her action. They write a leading character with honour. They they honour the leading character. They honour the action hero leading character. They don't make her out to be, like, overly bravado. They don't make her out to be ridiculously flawed and you slowly end up siding with them because you feel sorry for them. Like, mm. you you follow along with her and you agree with her decisions. You agree with how she's seeing the situation. You agree with how she's having to make choices on the fly. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, she's, she's, she's a survivor. She like, is. Yeah. Oh, it's, I, I, again, like, I, know we, I, I know we're talking about the character, not the movie itself, but um, I always go back to that first movie um, where you're like, oh, she's escaped. She's escaped. And like the cat's in the the pod with her, oh, and yeah. then, then you just see like the xenomorph movie. You're like, oh, it is not over. Um, You're like, you did your best, and I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> mm, yeah. No, I really, I really, really, really love Aliens. That was one that was one of my dad's films. You know, that's one that came out in the rotation a lot because there was more, more, yeah, more action. So there was more to keep the different age groups interested, I think, in my family. Um, and is it Bill yeah. Pullman? Bill Paxton. Paxton. Love Paxton. him forever and ever and Game ever. Game over, I man. That's the, that's the one, yeah? Game, Game over, man. Game over, man. Game yeah. over. Stop getting me to quote things, huh? 
Because <laughs> that's all we did. My brother and I would just really try and hone in on the great quotes and try and get the, the voices right. I don't know why we do that, but we did. Um, fun fact, he he was not even cast in that role in that film at all until the last second. They'd started filming with the original actor and like two weeks in he got arrested for smoking pot and having possession of pot. And wow. so they were like, crap, what do we do? And James Cameron's like, well, I have a buddy of mine from art school who's not an actor and he's never acted or maybe he had just done the cameo in Terminator, but he was like, he's just my friend from art school who's in set design and he's a funny guy. Let's put him in it. And they put him in it and he was had he fantastic. Been, was he in Weird Science at that point? Because Aliens is 86. Weird oh, Science. But it, would have been, but it would have been like really close together. Like weird Science dude... predates it. So he was there in Weird Science first. He played Chet, the older brother, who turns into like a weird okay. poop monster or something. Um, <laughs> but like he he no joke was just a buddy of James Cameron that when they were both in set design they would just build sets and tinker around together hmm. and then James was just like well you're all right actually and so they just shoved him in yeah and nice yeah one. and he's like excellent yeah yeah he's so good um, and I think with Aliens I heard I heard this recently and it might have only been like literally in the last week. Where apparently there were only six suits or six models, and they took that and turned into hundreds of aliens on screen. Um, which to I hadn't know, didn't know that until recently. And to hear that, you're like, you know what? That's that's pretty impressive. That's impressive. Like, in eighty six, the first prototypes the first prototypes were made of plastic bags. Oh wow! Like, like that's how like little money they had to begin with. So mm. they were like, oh, let's make a full scale model. But mm. with plastic bags, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the alien, the xenomorph, to me, probably the coolest looking monster. Mhm. Yep. I've given it a lot of thought, and over the years, and like, I know there's a whole like, especially from the eighties, people are like aliens or predators. Which do you prefer? And like, predators cool, but the alien, I just think like it's such a sleek design. That HR Giga look. That mm-hmm. very even. Like the 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 face without any features except for teeth and saliva, acid blood, the jagged knife of a tail, like everything about yeah. it is just the way they move is like yeah, the posture, yeah, the posture and the movement fits the design of the creature, mm. and yeah, I I totally agree with you there. There's I can't think of a cooler it. looking monster. Look, I loved the alien before I'd seen Alien. Like mm. I would just see it as a kid, like that's cool. Yeah. Like it's scary, but also like it's it's very like it's very elegantly designed. Yes, um, that's a good way to put it. It's elegant. It has an elegant, yeah, sleek, streamlined, mm. but it's still got this stature to it. It's still got this strength behind it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And just yeah, that you're right. The way that moves, and I think that's probably also what helps the second film is you see more of them crawling along the roof. You see them more coming out from behind things. You see them moving quickly to, um, like, kill someone. Like, you see so much more of their body. You get to appreciate more of their body. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can't think of another monster that I like the design of more um, at mm. this stage. I'm, look, I'm, I'm always ready to be impressed. I'm always ready to be wowed. But I think the alien... Like after 
40 years, like going on 45 years, nothing has come close in my opinion. I just can't think of things off the top of my head. Mm. So I'm just trying to, I'm going through like, like scary sort of monsters, but I don't know. A lot of them are more humanoid. Yeah. Like if you think of your classic 80s horror monsters, like uh, they're not even really monsters, they're just deformed people. But like (laughs) Freddy, Jason, like look cool, not as cool Mm. as the alien. No. Like Chucky is, is very silly to me. Like I don't mind some of those movies, but he's very silly. Yeah, and like Yoda's Yoda's beautiful and glorious. He's not cool looking. No, no, he looks like <laughs> my grandma. Um, <laughs> I think he looks like Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. <laughs> um, yeah, I just can't think of any. Like again, like the, the the common comparison is the Predator. But yeah, like the Predator looks cool with his mask on. But once his mask comes off, he's just all like teeth and throat. Uh, yeah, like, he's yeah. very gummy for a for an elite hunter. Um, yeah. yeah, and like the thing is cool, but like there's nothing elegant about him. Like it's just like a weird hairy spider flesh monster. Mm. Uh, and, and even the- like the um the face huggers in Alien, they're really just clever, and they're again they're sort of sophisticated and sleek, even though they're kind of like bony, knobbly old fingers. But they, mm. yeah. yeah, nothing comes close. Nah, I agree. Yeah, look at that. Definitive <laughs> statement. We're re- willing to be proved wrong, but I just, uh, yeah, I can't think <laughs> of anything. I'd gladly be proved wrong. If you can show me something better than the Xenomorph, I will take it. Yeah. Um, I'll take something. Well, ones that we've forgotten about. Yeah. Something cooler than that. Like, how can I be angry? I'm like, oh, that's even cooler. Great. I just can't think of anything. Yeah. Nice one. That's a, a solid flick. We talked more about, the, I think, the characters and the monsters themselves in the actual movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I am now that you're telling me talking about like we're talking about their movements and the way of the animals, the idea of seeing lots of them kind of working together, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm ready to go back. I'm ready to go back to James Cameron's Aliens. Mm. They also have like, I am trying to be better. I am saying that I'm trying not to be a snob. I have issues with James Cameron. I feel like. As a person, because yeah, hundred percent, I'm with you, buddy. <laughs> even as a filmmaker, like. I feel like he's very money-driven and he's very hypocritical. And oh, the reason I say yes. that is he recently came out in the last couple of years. He was like, well, there's superhero movies, too many. Stop making so many superhero films. And in the same interview, in the same breath, he's like, by the way, Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5 coming out in the next 10 years. Like, okay, well, then why do you have sequels if you're making them? Also... I just, I've never seen Avatar and I didn't watch it out of defiance because I was like, because <laughs> everyone, like, everyone was like, it's the most brilliant film of all time. I wish I lived on Pandora. Um, this is like the saltiest I've been on this show. Generally, I'm very lovely, <laughs> but look, I'm just, I've, I've, we've struck I know, you're like, I'm not going to shit on other films. Yeah, you are. Go for but it. But I'm not because I do want to see Avatar. And I saw the trailer for the new one and I, I turned to Tina when I saw the trailer. I was like, you know what? That franchise has never really been for me, but God, it looks gorgeous. Like, it looks stunning. Mm. But I just read this more, and but I, was, I had a real chip on my shoulder about Avatar because not only was it like everyone was obsessed with it, it was in theaters for like a year, and I just read online today that Avatar is returning to cinemas again. Like he keeps releasing his films in cinema. And I'm like, I know it's about money because he's always talking about like, oh, like Avengers knocked me off the highest grossing. By the way, Titanic oh. returned to. Th- I'm like, who cares? Yeah, he's a status queen. He is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, 
I just well, like, aliens, aliens. I think net almost didn't get made or finished because they were filming. I think somewhere in Britain, and the British crew could not stand him, wow. and he was really rude to them and awful to them, and they wanted to quit. And I think the only reason that they patched it over and finished making the film was Sigourney Weaver, like, mm. had worked with the crew before on the first film more closely, and um, pretty much smoothed things over as best she could. And so, like, yeah, like people don't like working with him either. So there's got to be some truth to if they don't like working with him, then. It's a shame. Like that being said, I love The Abyss. I think The Abyss is a beautiful film. Like I think he's made a masterpiece there. And I really would have loved to have seen the Spider-Man film he was making in the 90s. At one point he was attached to Mm. direct Spider-Man with Leonardo DiCaprio as um, Peter Parker. Amazing. Um, Spider-Man's my favourite. And in the the 90s, like he would have been like, I remember, I remember when Tom Holland became Spider-Man. People were like, oh, finally, an age-appropriate Spider-Man. And I liked Toby and, and Andrew a lot. Yeah. I loved them, so I got no complaints there. But everyone was like, oh, my God, he's the right age. Leo in the 90s was also the right age. Like, that would have been fantastic. It would have been so uh, good. Yeah, because now I don't want to say Leo is a superhero. Like, okay. he's, he's a classy actor doing, like, Oscar pitches and stuff. Now, I don't need to see him in, in comic book movies anymore. But in the 90s, as Spider-Man, absolutely yes. for us. I would have loved that. Yeah. Um, anyway, was that three? That was three, wasn't it? That was number three. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it, Nikki. This is exactly what this show is for. It's for the tangents. I love it. I told you I was looking forward to having you back on. Number two, where are we at? Number two is Steel Magnolias. This is the first one you've mentioned that has come up before. Okay, um, good. But I haven't seen it still. Um, oh. But it was described to me by my friend Gabby, and um, she waxed poetic on it. Oh, good, mm. good. I am absolutely in her corner. Robert Harling mm-hmm. has just, if ever there was a film where someone has made it for all the right reasons and has absolutely done the most heartfelt, sweetest honour to the story and to the place and to the people and to women, it would be this film. Okay. It's, it is, yeah, because it's, it's, I'm trying to think of like all the amazing things about it. Like it's a real story. Um, it was filmed in the real town mm. where um, Shelby or Susan, who I think is the real woman, um, lived. The characters are based off like the friends of, Harling's sister and mother and um, I think to have a film that so genuinely portrays women and so genuinely shows love and affection and care and honour for the things that we go through or the things that we talk about or the way that we do to be done by a man and to be done so just lovingly and just so treasured it's just incredible it's an incredible gift and Mm. the film itself is just so heartbreaking but it gives you moments of just little flutters of joy at the same time which is exactly like what the film name means it's yeah Mm. it's so beautiful it's such a beautiful film so I'm going to say this I just gave Gabby a lot of credit for waxing poetically and I mean no disrespect to Gabby because she's wonderful you just sold me on this film 
way more in Wayla's oh, time. In I need that to summary. listen to what she said though, because I don't want to be repeating the same thing. No, not sure. at all. Not a criticism, but I'm like, sure the sentiment is exactly there. Though I'm sure Gabby absolutely. is absolutely like grasped on. Like it's just it's it's a treasure. It's the mm. most it's the most treasured thing you own in your secret little treasure box up in your high cupboard that you just don't want anyone ever to yeah to touch mm. or to mess with. It is just flawless and, and this I think, is this is dolly yeah. the dolly parton flick is that right yes sally yep. field dolly parton um julie roberts like Gee, what a solid cast like it's got, I mean. it's got some amazing amazing characters amazing performances amazing dialogue but i think i'm trying to think of like the, the main pull or the main thing i found really really interesting because i saw it when i was older i never mm. saw it as a teen i saw it like late twenties, mm. um, and it hit really it hit me so hard. And then I, you know, did a bit of reading about it in uni, sort of thing. And I wanted to know the backstory. I because you know someone had said it was it was a real story. So of course you go digging. And I think the the best thing that it does is every scene that the the group of women are like talking to each other they would never be talking to each other like that if there was a male present. And mm, so, like, the main the main plot points, the main points of conflict, the main points of triumph are the women in the beauty parlour. Then they're at preparing in the house before a wedding. Then they're, you know, at a Christmas party in, in, in the kitchen or they're at, you know, a funeral and there's, there's no males present and it's deliberate because when, when men enter a delicate grieving or heartfelt context or situation, women don't behave the same. Mm. And so it's so fantastic that the, the way they talk, the way they have delicate conversations or hard conversations and they intertwine it with witty one-liners or mean little side jabs at each other and stuff, you, they, women don't do that in front of men. They mm. do it in this safe you know, safe airtight bubble with each other that's just sacred and it's so gorgeous that every pivotal point through this film, watch it and watch those moments and realise they're so raw and they're so honest and they're so humorous when it should be gut-wrenchingly sad. Mm. But it's because they can and it's because that's what we do. But we only do it when there's no males around. Mm. Um, and he captures that so wonderfully. He just, he understands the sacred nature of that. He understands the reality of that. He, um, yeah, he's written such a beautiful story that allows that to be not taken for granted or he's, he wants people to see that and see it for what it is. And it's not just women having these women talks. It's important. It's who they are. It's what they need to do it's the way they connect with each other and it's valid and it's yeah it's I can't believe it was written by men like I just can't Mm. sometimes and that's what makes it even more special and makes me even more passionate about it and of course Dolly Parton (laughs) I love Um, her (laughs) you 100% sold a ticket on it but I think you've sold this film to me harder than anything else you've talked about this evening I'm really Um, passionate about yeah I'm really passionate about it 
Um, and I'm a dialogue fiend. Like my favorite, you know, I, I love, you know, I love action films. I love visual spectacles. Mm. But like, what got me into film and the thing that really kind of turned me from just a kind of a casual moviegoer to someone who's all about the art form and made me a bit of a snob was dialogue. It was just like mm. seeing, because dialogue is where representation begins. Yes. Yes. Um, or where it's just un, like not believable, where it pulls you out of a film because you think, mm. no, you wouldn't, they wouldn't talk to each other like that. Or why would they stop there as if mm. you wouldn't say that extra thing? Or yeah, that, yeah. I'll be honest. I, as I said, I'm like, wow, that was really profound, more profound than I meant it to be. But it really is where representation begins. Like I think of, and I've talked about it a few times on, on the show, Clerks is one of my favourite films of all time. And it's just a day in the life film. Two guys work in a convenience store from morning till night. But they sit around and make fun of the customers. They sit around and talk about Star Wars. They sit around and talk about what they watched on TV the other night. They, they just have very real, stark, candid conversations. They talk about their girlfriends and sex and work and how they have no plans for the rest. Like very, like on paper, you're like, well, this is boring. This is real life, but it's just, it's the candor of it and the honesty of the dialogue where I'm like, yeah, that was me in my teenage years. It was also me in my twenties. And it was also me for a little bit in my thirties. Like I was a guy behind a register just trying to get through the shift so I could get to live in and living wasn't much it was i just living was hanging out with my mates and watching tv or hanging out with my you know going out to the movies like that um and you know as a as a straight white male in my 30s i don't have to look too far for representation but at the same time i kind of do in as much Mm. as i'm not like i'm not i don't look at john wayne or arnold schwarzenegger and be like yep that's me (laughs) they nailed it that is how that is what i identify with um Whereas a film like that is very much like, oh, yeah, that's – and that's why I think I, I fell in love with the art form and the way I did. Like I always loved movies, but after seeing them, I'm like, oh, I've never seen the movie where the guys are doing the things that I do. who just mm. sitting around talking about geeky stuff. And you could even like – I think a film that kind of goes hand in hand with Clerks – I love Clerks – is um, – Empire Records. I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's yeah, um, yeah. No, I have. I think so I've seen it once it's or a, twice. It's yeah. the same. It's the same movie. It's a, mm. it's it's girl it's girl clerks in a record store instead of a convenience store. It's the same thing. Day in the life, and yeah. very much my thing. I love Empire Records as well, um, and it's the same sort of thing. Um, and I know I got off topic there, but I guess what I'm saying is like it's that dialogue that's so important. So you telling me about like the the earnest dialogue in this film and like how there's different, I guess, flavors to it. It's like, well, this is what they sound like when they're in front of men, but when they get to be with themselves, that's when their characters really shine. But mm. that's that gateway. That's the gateway to the story for me. So you're telling me... But it puts value. It puts value in the things we talk about because sometimes any of those topics that come up, you know, the male population just zone out and they don't listen. But mm. But the dialogue itself might not have anything really sparkly to it, but it's the context of the dialogue. It's like... It's the value behind the connections that the women are making while they do engage with each other and while the dialogue is happening. And it's the context of, but look, look who's missing from this scene and the reason why is so important, Mm. why there's no men in this scene is integral to the scene, which is Mm. so weird, the absence of something being integral to why something is able to occur being just as important. Like it's, Mm. yeah. 
Hmm. I'll be honest, you get me very excited about Steel Magnolias, a sentence I never thought I'd say in my life. Uh, <laughs> but now I'm ready to check it out, so I've got to get my hands on it. And um, well, You've just, yeah, and if, if anything, even if you never get around to it, do some digging about the film itself because mm. there's just like the the actresses and actress actors that play the doctors in the hospital are the actual doctors in the hospital. Oh, wow. Like there are doctors that, you know, you know, spoilers alert, do something with a life support machine. It's the actual woman who turned off a life support machine doing it in the film. Um, like they film in a house down the street from where she actually grew up. Mm. And um, there's just some things in there that you just think they really wanted to do this justice mm. and do it sensitively and well and, yeah, I think the turnaround from it being written to being an off-Broadway play to then being a film was a matter of a couple of years. Like that's how desperate people were to go, yep, this needs to be done. This is a yeah, story that wow. needs to be told. Like it's, yeah, just do some digging of a few articles and you will just find even more reasons to love it even before you watch it. Mm. Oh, and Dolly nice Parton's one. got some great one-liners. Yeah. You realise time keeps marching on and then you realise it's marching across your face. Like. <laughs> Yeah. My hair's got so much static, it's picking up everything except money and boys. Yeah. There's some great ones. We were, I was like, <laughs> you just spoke so so beautifully and eloquently about this film. It was very poignant. Um, <laughs> poignant making, I was like, I feel like it'd be wrong of me to prompt you for a peewee impression. <laughs> but then you absolutely delivered with Dolly. So we're I'll fine. Do it, Dolly. <laughs> Laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so she's good. a gem she's a treasure <laughs> she is she really mm. is yeah all righty that's four down four and a half down with our, with our little little halves in there mm. i'm and i didn't even ask you when we started because i just wanted to get get the ball rolling go are these ranked is this in order of fifth mm. to, okay so it is yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. Big, you'll uh, never guess. You'll never guess what's beaten that. You just big, expe- big expectations here because this is a strong list. Mm. A lot of great flicks in here, most of which I haven't seen, which makes me even more excited because I love hearing about films I haven't seen and I love the idea of now going to go discover them. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. I really don't know <laughs> what it is. You got some hints. Do you want to guess? <laughs> if, you're, if you're like 1989 Batman, I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's dropping all of that. Like, what eloquent things have I got to say that have smashed that over? <coughs> no. Where's that bat suit? Um, <laughs> I have no idea what's coming. Okay, so what's my profession? You're a teacher. I'm a teacher. Why do people become teachers? What do they really want to do? Well, they say, I mean, they believe the famous phrase is those who can't do teach. And those yeah, who can't well. teach, teach gym. That's um, from School of Rock. <laughs> I was a gymnastics teacher for a while, so that's real double whammy. Awkward. <laughs> no, we want to inspire. Mm. We want to oh, change is it, the world. Is it, is it Dead Poets Society? It is. It is. I, yeah. Yes, yes, it's Dead Poets. I. It's grown on me. So, you know, you see it once and you're like, yeah, that was a good film. But you see it again and you're like, this is a good film. You see it again you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is such a good film. Like, yeah, mm. each time, each time I've watched it, um, kind of similar to Uncle Buck, I've watched it sort of younger, and so you, you know, I felt more 
in tune with, you know, one character over another and then I watched it again and, and, you know, you start to sort of sympathise a bit more with Robin Williams's character or you see more of him and then as a parent I start to sign up you know, there's little a little bit more forgiveness for the father figure or, like, mm. each time I watch it there's, I'm just, I don't know if it's even there, but I'm reading more into, like, lots of stuff. Um, there's, of course, flaws. There's, of course, some things that I'm like, damn it, that's, you've fallen short on that, like, their representation of women, like, mm-hmm. soz, that's no good. But let's just pretend that that's not there because otherwise it's glorious triumphant no i haven't seen this one either um this one was also on gabby's list but since that conversation that episode i have acquired i've i've gone into the into the records and i've acquired (laughs) a copy of this last film um i do have dead poet society on my shelf ready to go so um very excited to watch it she sold she sold it brilliantly to me so it's definitely i love robin williams you can't go wrong with robin williams no Um, adore him so the guy just couldn't put in a bad performance if he tried. Like if you put in a bad, if you tried to put in a bad performance, it'd probably be the best of his career, to be honest. Um, Pretty, yeah. it's yeah. I mean, I still really loved him in Jumanji, but yeah, oh, so his in terms of what his what his role was in that film and what you needed that character to achieve, hundred percent. He felt like that teacher that you know saw you, that teacher that you know like just didn't see you as another bum on a seat or mm. yeah i think he's he he manages to have so much like he sets the bar but he's soft but he's forgiving but he's got expectations but he pushes but he yeah his mm. character is yeah well wonderful. i mean you know and i don't think this is like a hot take or anything but his non comedic performances are his best ones you know goodwill hunting um yes. one hour photo um Death to Smoochie, which is a really obscure film a lot of people haven't seen, but just he's genius <laughs> mm. uh, in everything he does. Um, and then and, and, and Jumanji. Like, you know, like, Jumanji. <laughs> it all goes back to Jumanji. Jumanji, yeah. Uh, no, I just um, I like the way that the first time I viewed the film and he, you know, started to set the scene about Carpe Diem and, you know, gather ye rosebuds while ye may and stuff, you know, my reading about it was um, like be brave, you know, be brave, take risks sort of thing. Mm. But then as I got older I realised and I think, I don't know, I don't know if it just came with maturity or seeing other similar films and things, but I read into it, no, it's about understanding that you're not immortal and that your choices matter. Mm. And I think that was a real difference in how I viewed the films. And, they, and they're your choices and your choices matter and don't just move through life, live it. Mm. And, and that changed how I viewed some of the situations as well. Um, like especially, you know, who's more to blame for, like, what's his name, Neil, like Neil's um, problem, you know, what, who's more to blame, the teacher or his father, and that changed the way I saw that scenario as well. Like you haven't seen it, so I don't want to blow it, but 
Yeah, I changed the way I saw carpe diem isn't seize the days and do something exciting or brash or brave, which is what the boys start off. The film sort of sets it up nicely where the film starts off with their understanding and their ideal of that, but then it moves more towards, yeah, own your choices, make choices, know they matter and know that you're, you're not here forever to mm. make choices and to have the gift of making choices. Um, yeah, I just think that's really poignant. It is. I was just sitting there. I was, I was getting a little misty-eyed listening to you talk about mm. it. Like such a beautiful, and, and, and you've used the word poignant, we've used the word poignant a couple of times now, mm. but it is really a beautiful point. And um, it's so funny to think that like literally like an hour ago, we're like, ha, ha, ha. And, <laughs> like, and then you finish on these two tear-jerking movies um that and this is and this is why this is the why of it all mm. like i in when i was younger um whether it was in high school and even in my throughout my 20s i would stop every now and then and go why do i why am i into this why do i like this like why is it movies like it's not an active hobby i sit on a couch and i disconnect for 2 hours and it's a wonderful escape, but like, why? Why that? Like, surely I can be doing more with it. Like, why is my why? Why is why? Why? Why is the only thing <laughs> I want to do is talk about these movies. And it wasn't until I was in my thirties, and I started to realize that they're um, they're a conduit for me. Like, mm. this is the language I speak. Like, and that's not me saying, oh, I, I'm socially awkward and I can't have a conversation. I can I can talk about anything. But through film, I feel like I can get to the heart of it more. Like, mm. if, I, if, I have a tr- if I have trouble explaining something, if I have trouble kind of expressing something, I can be like, oh, well, it's like this in, this moment in this film here. Or if you I, – I, we talked a lot in the first phase of the show about crying during movies and I'm very open about it. I'm a big movie crier but I don't really cry in real life like it's just not mm. my thing I'm just not a just not enough but like through the storytelling through these performances like through the heart of what they're trying to get at that's what opens me up and kind of gets me raw in the middle and like kind of the big gooey center and if that's what you know something as silly as a, a movie can do surely that's important Mm. And not only that, but it does inspire. Like, it makes people creative. It makes people want to be better. Like, if, if I watch Ant-Man, I'm like, oh, man, I should <laughs> I should be a better dad. Like, because Ant-Man's trying to be a better dad. Like, isn't that kind of profound in a really stupid way? Yeah, isn't like, that a really strange lesson to be finding here so, so easily accessible to find that? value or that lesson in that film yeah Mm. well interestingly that's also another point from dead poet society it's Mm. that the humanities and the things like film and poetry and literature and creative writing so i just say the humanities because it's a Mm. bit easier they're the things that sustain culture and sustain Mm. understanding and sustain connecting. Um, I think he even says something like, you know, being lawyers and doctors and politicians are noble pursuits and they're, um, you know, integral to keeping the society moving. But, yeah, like the humanities are a driving force for humanity to 
connect with our otherness, to connect with the soul mm. of ourselves um, rather than what just helps us survive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. At, the, at the risk of sounding really wanky, but oh God. <laughs> it is a film podcast after all. Aren't we just storytellers? Like, isn't that kind of like at the end of the day as people, like if we have nothing else, we have our stories. Like that's how we share history. That's how we learn. That's how we teach. Um, like when I was younger, I, I was always like, oh, yeah, well, I was, I was a writer, and I still am a writer, and I like to write. But I would always be like, oh, I'm not so much a writer, I'm a storyteller, which sounds really wanky, but it's just <laughs> no. But it's also kind of like, well, if I say that, then there's no expectation I'm any good at it because we're all storytellers, yes. do you know what I mean? Like, no, but I understand what you're going for. A storyteller mm. means that your objective is to reach people mm. on a on a soulful level. A writer could potentially have the goal of being informative or persuasive, but a storyteller already inherently comes with characteristics of you're wanting to connect, mm. you're wanting to showcase, you're wanting to explore. Like, no, that makes total sense. How, I'm just like, how many people are switching off now? They're like, geez, I got really philosophical towards the end there. I liked when she was doing Pee Wee impressions, but now, like, Kate's <laughs> worn off. I need to go get some lollies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this episode really took a turn that I wasn't expecting, um, and not in a bad way, but that's the beauty of this. It's just, it can go anywhere. Um, and look, I know I said before, I was like, oh, I got a little misty. I, I'm not even keen. I do have a little, I do have a little watering going Aww. on here. So just got so beautiful. Um, <laughs> I know. And then I, then we can I, get silly again. Come on. We're, 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 we're good for <laughs> it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is a solid list. Um, I, what I love about it, and uh, as I said, the first episode of this this phase, this series, I'd only seen one of the five films, and I really beat myself up about it. I was like, gee, like, call yourself a film snob. You haven't seen them. You haven't seen any of these films. People are going to really judge you. You have to hand in your film snob <laughs> card. And tonight, like, I've seen a couple of your films in your list, but most of them I haven't, and I'm thrilled that I haven't. Like, the, the journey I'm on now is like, that's awesome, because you know what that means? That's there's four or five films out there that I haven't seen that I get to look forward to watching now. Good. So, I, I want to make you hungry to see them. I mean, that's well, I mean, how much. That's how passionate I am about some of these. I want to. I want to make you hungry to just go and try and. Well, yeah. your your delivery and your summary of of Steel Magnolias was so beautifully delivered. I was like, I have to I have to watch it. You have to I have to watch it. Like, and again, it was like all about the dialogue. Once you mentioned the dialogue, I was like, well, I'm in. Um, because that's I'm a dialogue fan. Like I love dialogue. Mm. Um, that is a solid list. Um, we've only had solid lists, but what I loved was that whilst there are a couple of repeats on there towards the end, all very unique and a lot of stuff people haven't mentioned, which is good because the whole point of the show is to get people watching movies and remember that there are no bad films. Because if every film is someone's favorite film, then there can't be any bad movies. Um, but that is a strong, strong list. Got to finish strong. Finish strong. Finish strong. Um, Speaking of finishing strong, we are now going to, now that you're listening, did you have any honourable mentions? Was there anything we didn't talk about you want to bring up other than your Venn diagram, which you did go through before? Uh, I'm really naughty and I don't have honourable mentions, but I have three questions that I want to grill you with. Oh, do it. I love this. Oh, oh damn, you're going to grill me. I'm going to grill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was definitely the, the scariest voice you've used all night. <laughs> 
grill me. Yeah. I love this. I've got great. questions for you, but I'm, I'm going to let you go first. So sometimes us ladies have funny brains and we dream really good questions. And I literally woke up and I had a dream where I asked you these questions and I was like, sorry, non-negotiable. I'm asking you these questions. Just so want to put on the three. record, Maddie's dreaming of me. Okay, continue. It's fine. It's fine. Tell you, I was so excited. I'm so excited to do this. So that's why. <laughs> I must have just been like, right, you've got to come up with some really interesting stuff. So question one. Yes. Question one. I'm going to read it so I don't like read it wrong and screw up my... Okay, here we go. In your opinion. Yes. In your opinion. This is polarizing. I've asked people this before. Mm-hmm. Did 80s films vilify Nazis for the awful ideologies and acts that they actually did or did we as an audience more learn that the Germans are bad? Like how do you think... Like Indiana Jones, like, oh, I can't remember what other films. But you know how there's, like, the Nazis as the bad guy. Did we mm. really learn that the Nazis are bad or did we kind of skim? And do you think they were more presented as just, like, Germans, look out for Germans, they're naughty? And P.S., I'm Polish-German, so, like, it's... Yeah, I know, I know. Like <laughs> I know you yeah, are. I'm not going for a, yeah, a culture. Uh, I just want to know about films itself in the 80s, in the 80s. I feel like in the 80s. It's interesting because, first of all, I think, I've said this before and I had to clarify when I said this because I was like, well, this could be misdirected. I think Nazis are great villains for movies. And by that I mean Hmm. we have no remorse if there's a Nazi and they get punished, they deserve it. Like history has taught us enough that yep. every That's Nazi, okay. yeah, you know <laughs> it's okay I mean? for them to be punished. So, so, yep. so great, a great villain because one thing that's very popular these days in modern films is having the empathetic villain where they've kind of got a got a point. Mm. Don't feel that way with Nazis. So nah. good, good old fashioned punishment. <laughs> Just good to see them get what they deserve. But I do think in the eighties, particular. Um, the Nazis almost be kind of, kind of became a punchline. Mm. Like I think about, um, you know, you think about raiders, and whilst you know they are quite scary and there's magic involved, they're also not very good at what they do. Like they're very easily thwarted. If you mm. look at you know sitcoms like Hogan's Heroes, like obviously they're all like, oh, like mm-hmm. almost like um, slapstick uh, characters. And Blues Brothers, you know, like. Blues has Nazis in it. And again, like they're kind of hapless. They're bumbling buffoons. And I think it's, I, I think it also almost comes more down to the idea of as trauma ages and starts to kind of enter our rear vision, we feel more comfortable laughing about it again. And I know I'm not really answering your question at this stage. I'm kind of just. No, it's a really, it's a hard question. And I've, asked it a few times and people have been in hard in one camp or hard in another or same as you and been like I don't um, I don't know like I, th- I do think like you know in this I don't know if this is a cop-out answer but I almost feel like it comes down to the film because like if I if I watch European Vacation mm. like there like German culture was very stereotyped in there I'm not like, I never get the impression they're like, oh, look at these bad Germans. You know, they were Nazis. Um, so I, I guess it does depend. But I definitely mm. feel like 
there was less um I'm trying to think, I'm trying to pick my words carefully. You can see how like serious I'm taking I know, this question. I know. It also it, it's not it's not made to trap you. No, it's, no, no, it's I, a, no, I it's know. It's just a question that is I find interesting, especially for eighties films, because they do crop up as the villain. Yeah, I think yeah. that like they became in the 80s they became very popular, but there's almost like the 80s is meant to be so fun and wild and bombastic and kind of silly mm. that they they really do fall under the camp of being a punchline. And it's mm. not till the 90s, you know, the advent of films like American History X, yes. where we're like, okay, now we're going to take them seriously again and paint them as they are. Yeah. Um, and I know American History X isn't German Nazis, it's you know, neo-Nazis in America, that sort of thing, but it's that same kind of thing. And then from, that, from the 90s forward, we have a more serious approach to it, and you have Schindler's List as well. And even yeah. in Glorious Bastards, which is a silly film, like the Nazis, you know, Hans Lander, played by Christoph Waltz, is very entertaining. There is mm. absolutely no doubt in your mind that he's a despicable human being. He's like chilling, he's, yeah. Like he's yeah. very funny and charismatic and entertaining, but when he mm. is being the villain he's supposed to be, you can't help but look away at times because he's so cruel. Yes, um, but are we associating that with Nazis or with Germans? Like that's what I... Yeah. I think in modern film, and I know the question about it, in modern film there is that delineation. Yeah. In the 80s, I think that if there's a chance for a German to be exposed as a Nazi in a punchline, they take it. Yeah. That, we can leave it there. That's just, I but just it's want very to much, that But too. it's very much a punchline thing. Yeah, that was a tough question. I know you weren't trying to trap me. I know you wouldn't do that no. to me. Um, but I've never and that's had to the re- hardest one. That's the hardest one I have. I've never story. had to really think about it before. I was like, oh, I'm excited. This is fun questions. You're like, right. <laughs> Let's talk about propaganda. Oh, no. I just have to ask you these questions. Uh, yeah. All right, quick. I'll do number two. Good question, though. I'll do, I'll do number two. It's mm-hmm. silly. Okay. S- snog, snog, marry, or kill. Okay. <laughs> Ready. E.T., mm-hmm. Elwood Blues, mm-hmm. or Luke Skywalker? Mmm. Don't think mm. about it. Just come on. What's your gut tell you? Snog, marry, kill. E.T. That was the hardest one. Who are you going to kill? I, I kill Elwood Blues. Okay. I snog Luke Skywalker and I marry E.T. And here's why. Okay. As a kid, I loved Elwood Blues. As an adult, he's annoying. <laughs> like, he's annoying and he's not doing me any favors. He's, he's making my life a real inconvenience. Luke Skywalker, 1970s Mark Hamill, very attractive. But very whiny. I don't want to spend too much time with him. E.T., I can be in a sexless marriage with him, and if I die, he can bring him back to life. <laughs> so there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were going to go there. Yes. <sighs> you said it was silly, and I took it seriously. Uh, oh, that's, it's a yes. weird one, but I'm happy with my answer. For those playing at home, ask yourself. <laughs> yeah. Snog, marry, or kill. Um, and last one is famous or favourite one-liner, or if you don't have a favourite, what's a one-liner that comes to your mind all the time? Um, in, from the 80s, um, obviously, yeah. that's the theme of the show. Mm. I've only been doing it for like 10 weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you'd think I'd know by now. Um, Uh, well, I guess like the obvious one and the one that probably stuck with me the most as a kid 
um, was we're on a mission from God. Like Blood. brothers, that was really good. Um, There's so many, but I'm with you. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Hit it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we're on a mission. We're on a mission from God is probably the one that comes to mind the most. Um, you know, or this is the classic Marty. Like it's not really a catchphrase <laughs> as much as Doc saying his name. Great Scott. Yeah, Great Scott's a good one. There, uh, there, you know what? There's so many. It's probably a mean question to ask. There's so many no, it's, brilliant I had, ones. I had to think, but yeah, I think it's probably we're on a mission from God. That's the one. Okay, cool. Your turn. Your All right. Turn, your turn, your turn. Well, as you know, in the last episode, we did the rapid fire question. So these are the this is the 80s rapid fire questions. No <laughs> one gets through it rapidly, so don't stress. <laughs> um, what I want to know first, and the answers you may might have already given, and that makes it a little bit easier. First of yeah. all, which movie to you defines the 80s? You think of the 80s and you think of this film. Mm. Back to the Future. Yeah. Yeah, just the... music, fashion, actual young-ish people, mm-hmm. like yeah. hair, narrative, goals of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back Definitely. to the Future. I think so, yeah. Now, which 80s film has the best theme song and or soundtrack? It's a time of – it's the time – it's the generation (laughs) of the soundtrack. It's the first time we had – And it's the first time movies had a theme song, really. Like, nearly every 80s film has a theme song. I mean – It became a single. Like, John John Williams can never go wrong with anything. Like, I want to say Star Wars. You're going score. Okay, nice one. Yeah, I want to go John Williams because his sound, his sound is Mm. so defining. His sound is so recognisable. Great. The the layering of the musical instruments, like you could play me the Star Wars theme backwards or something and I would still be able to pick it because of Mm. the the musical elements and the, the pace or the layering or, oh, but like the best one. Oh, shit. I mean, look, I'm a diehard Star Wars fan, so I just don't mm-hmm. think I could. No, that's I, yeah. fine. That's I can't solid. Go, I can't go past. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a song that's got like the, um, is it not the electric guitar? What's the, the synth? Synth. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something with like a synth. Or well, like I know like some people. Like 80s drum or like. Like some people, you know, if you have gone, you know, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Um, as, a, as, a, as a classic track, some, yeah. people gone, some people gone Power of Love from, from Back to the Future, which is an absolute banger. Um, I, I remember for soundtrack, I threw in Blues Brothers soundtrack. I just don't think you get better in terms of soundtracks there. Like it's, I've it's worn solid. out that CD three times. <laughs> um, That's but saying something. <laughs> if you're going to score, like Star Wars is hard to beat. There's so many memorable you know, yeah. sounds in there. I, I think I'm just going to have to. Do I it. just can't. Done. Locked. Yep. Can't take it. it back. Yeah. Um, okay. And when you think of the 80s, which actor or actress really defined the 80s? Who is the face of the 80s to you? Oh, my God. Mm. There's, a, there's too there's a, too many. I don't think I could. You can I don't name think a couple. Could, you don't have to. No, but meaning like I sort of, I, can't, I think I've got them all in the same, almost on the same level, like yeah, no, I don't think I. Could, I don't think I could say 
is the face of. I think okay. you'd have like a, you know how Vanity Fair does those big mm. like issues where they've got like 25 celebrities on the cover. That's what's in my brain. Okay, like, that's fine. That's what defines it, not one. It's the collection. Sometimes it's not when we act, but when we choose not to act. So if you don't yeah. have an answer, that's fine. Um, yeah, no. Nah. So there have been a couple of problems. Tom Cruise has been a big one. He was big in the 80s. Uh, he's still big now, but he really was like he had a really big 80s career. I know that um, okay. Winona Ryder came up, Molly Ringwald, of course, Anthony Michael Hall, big uh, staples of the 80s as well. But that's Patrick fine. Swayze, Hannah. Oh, okay. no one said Swayze. You can go crazy for Swayze if you want to. Well, but see, I like him and like Sigourney and like yeah, like nah, they're they're all nah, they're all on the Vanity Fair cover together. It's fine. Yeah, we will we will move past it in denim. <laughs> <laughs> Double denim. Yeah. Um, I know the answer to this one because you messaged me very excitedly today. But which is the best '80s vehicle or mode of transport? <laughs> Can I swear? Yeah, I already, ha- I already have. Okay. I mean, it's a bit late to ask. You've done it so many times. Because I, I'd listened to your yours and Tina's episode, so I sort of was tossing and turning between some of the answers before mm. and stopping and starting and rah rah rah. But this one was killing me. I've got like, <laughs> I've got like the dumb the dumb answers that I don't want to choose, like the sandworm from Beetlejuice. <laughs> or like Uncle Buck's backfiring car or Pee-wee's, Pee-wee's shitty bike or saddling up a xenomorph. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, look, it's the most dangerous way to travel. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, in when it, when it came to me, I, yeah, I immediately texted you and all I texted you was motherfucking Falcor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, motherfucking Falcor. I'm gonna make a t-shirt and sell them. It's um it's a great answer and no one has said it. Uh, oh. That's a solid one. We've had a lot of uh we've had a lot of DeLoreans. Um, which is fair. Very cool. We've had a couple of Batmobiles, we've had one uh time traveling um phone box from Tina. Oh yeah. So um I think we had a couple of Ghostbusters cars, which are like stylistic. I'm like, yep, looks cool, but it's just a hearse. Is it uh, weird that like Ghostbusters, the the car attracts me because I'm someone who really likes like storage, and I'm like, oh, you can fit a lot of stuff in that car. I mean, you've seen the bookshelf I have, right? Like, I'm all about storage. Yeah. Like, like the more space something has, the, the more brownie points it like, gets. Like, I do so. like a study, but if I can just get a bunch of stuff in there, like, great. Like, yeah. get get my my possessions stored away. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Falcor's <laughs> a great answer. Yeah. And he's, he's a dragon, isn't he, Falcor? Like, he looks like a flying dog, but he is he's a dragon. He's a luck dragon. A luck dragon. Does he... Like, come uh, on. Has he... Does he grant wishes? What's his What's his deal? Aside from the fact that he can what fly. What isn't his deal? Like, the dude's okay. so... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise you are going to flip it on me like that. You're, you're right. I should never have questioned it. He turns up at all the right times. He turns so up. Like he... Hey, if you invite him somewhere, he'll be there. He's got beautiful lashes. Good point. I mean, look, every other vehicle mentioned has lacked. He's never crashed. Hey. <laughs> like ET's, ET's bloody bike, that thing crashes. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. it wasn't ET's bike. <laughs> this was his first time riding a bike, I think. So we'll give him some. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking me. I'm breaking again. Oh, no. Um, Alrighty, and the last one, and this is probably the trickiest one in considering, but hopefully you, you'll give it a, a fair whack. 
last time you were on the show, I said to you, Maddie, tell me the movie that no one should remake. Mm. This time around, I want to know which is the 80s film that we should remake. Whether the original <laughs> wasn't very good or whether we just want to modernise it for a, a new audience, which 80s film we're taking where we're launching in the, in the present day? You, you have saved some good ones. I have, I have titles for my answers. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I have my bitchy McGee answer mm. and I have my full box of crayons up top answer. I don't know what either of those mean, but I'm very excited. Bitchy McGee means I'm being really nasty. Oh, and my okay. full box of crayons means I actually thought about it. Oh, okay. To be fair, I, I had a pretty good idea what Bitchy McGee meant. Uh, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, the full box of crayons, I wasn't sure. Ah, oh, dude. Okay. You want Which one do you want first? You, I'm dealer's choice. Okay, you ready? You want Bitchy McGee. Do it. Bitchy McGee is not a redo. It's a it's it's not a remake. It's a redo. Mm. <laughs> Impress me, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I hate it. <laughs> give me, give me, give me, give me some characters I actually like. Give me some dialogue that's good. <laughs> give me some higher stakes quality. <laughs> give me some better casting. Give me better musical numbers. Just fuck you and do it better because it was shit. <laughs> you don't like uh, you don't like Twist and Shout. I don't like anything about that film. What about, oh, yeah. Except for the car. The car's really good looking. I like the look of the car. We'll cast the car as Ferris next time. I'm into classic cars, but like. What we'll do is we'll get Pixar to remake it as a Cars spin-off and the car will play Ferris. Yeah, it can have the same title, but redo it. Like chuck it all in the bin and start again. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about this when you called called Tina on Sunday to say Mm -hmm. you were listening to the episode, which I was very flattered by. Um, and I said to you, the rule with Ferris Bueller is if you watch as an adult, it's too late. You won't enjoy it. You yep. have to watch as a kid or a teenager. That's when it's the best. It's it's most effective. Because once you're an adult, you're like, man, this kid's annoying. I'm with the parents. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't even like the parents. Oh yeah. My God. Uh, I think so- I was saying on that same phone call, I was like, I don't even like, I like the receptionist. I don't like yeah. the kids in the classroom, in the hallways. <laughs> I don't like any of them. Yeah, really polarizing. Some people love that film. It, uh, all right, fair enough. And, and you're not the first person to tell me their strong feelings on Ferris Bueller. Um, yeah. Well, because that's your, <laughs> that's the one that we just want to be impressed. We won't do too much for Ferris Bueller. What's your, what's your? Tell me about, oh, tell me about your full box of crayons. I almost, crayons. I almost asked it a different way. I was like, that's. <laughs> we we've really been a bit dicey with some of the things we said on this show. I'm gonna do the about boxes sentence. and crayons. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, here's what I was gonna say because now that you know the context, I was gonna say, tell me about your full box, and then I was like, <laughs> nope, I need to phrase that better. <laughs> okay, the one that I actually thought about was the big chill. Interesting flick I've never seen. Mm. Shocker, as we're learning, the more movies we the less I've seen. <laughs> So give me a rundown of the current version of The Big Chill. Okay, so it's a group of friends. Mm -hmm. They're in adulthood. So they've been friends for quite some time, I'm guessing from college days onwards. So it's about like a long-standing group of friends, which like is not always a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of their friends commits suicide, so they all sort of find their way back to each other for the funeral and they stay at one of the friend's houses. And so it's all about you know, then sort of reconnecting, you know, the one-on-one friendships and the group dynamic and the group friendships and, you know, you get to see little um, 
you know, little individual storyline and, um, you know, um, what are they called, like problems that they have, et cetera. And mm-hmm. it's sort of it's almost like a film about nothing but it's also a film about friendships and I just thought that there's there's potential there because, like, audiences now are returning to liking seeing friendship dynamics. Um, they're liking seeing friends finding their way back to each other or just watching the dynamics of a larger group of like platonic friends Mm. but yeah and I just think there's heaps of potential there because audiences are like wanting that and ready to go back to that um and you know you could do some great stuff with with casting um you know you could have a similar driving force that brings them all back together but they're set you know, in this bubble of this house and mm. the things that happen around dinner time and sleeping arrangements or there's a bat in the attic, etc. I just think that it's got potential to transfer and translate to now quite well. It's a solid cast. I'm just looking over this. Like Tom Berenger, Glenn Close, yep. Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum, William mm-hmm. Hurt, Kevin Klein, um, directed, written directed by Lawrence Kasdan who wrote um, Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, and Raiders as well. So it's uh, Kevin Costner's in it. Um, he's the last one built, so maybe just a small role. I'm not sure. Um, it's a solid cast, and it's got an excellent soundtrack. Really, really mm-hmm. good soundtrack. And the ambiguity of the plot, in as much as it's not really about anything. No. You could make it with anyone. Normally, what I do is go, okay, cast it. But because of the kind of film it is, I don't think you can poorly cast it. Well, you sort of, if you're following similar storylines, you still need, um, you still need one of the friends that sort of overreaches and has a bit of bravado. You still need sort of the okay. quiet, alone, quiet alone a friend. You still need the friend that, um, you know, is more, you know, the housewife doing her duty um, and struggling with that. You like, you still need sort of stereotypes you could do a different combination of course um okay so, can, fit, so can you cast together. it then that's the question oh god well they've all know. got to be a similar age because they all went to college together mm. so that's also making it harder is finding people that are of the same age and i wouldn't want to remake it where they're fresh out of college and they're still finding their way it's really kind of important that they've they're older. got their careers they're in the middle of careers or mm. Um, and that's why finding their way back to each other and back to this bubble of mm. lesser sort of life or away from their, like, escapism from their actual lives is the tempting part and the nice lighthearted part or, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could cast it, but mm. you'd need you'd need strong, strong, believable, maybe well-seasoned people. And yeah. is it? Is it played as a comedy or is it more of a drama or is it it's got shades? It's kind of a bit of everything. Shades. I would say I would say it's got shades. I think Goldblum's character provides the comedy or mm-hmm. the lighter bits. Um, same with I forgot his name. Oh god. Um Tom Berenger or William Hurt? Um I'm or, it up Kevin, now. or Kevin Costner. Is Kevin Costner in it? Kevin Klein? Yeah, I was like, no way no, is Costner in it. No, Costner's in it. I thought I just saw that he's got like a, a bit part in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's definitely only got a tiny bit. Um, no, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein does some lighthearted work with Jeff Goldblum. 
some mild japery. Um, some mild messing around with a tennis racket and a bat in an attic. Because yeah. my go-to ensemble cast, and I don't know if it's right for it because they might be too, too much leaning into the comedy, but my go-to ensemble is Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Martin Freeman, Rosamund Pike. Like, get those guys okay. together. <laughs> I don't know. They're, t- they're too separated in ages, yeah. Or they're not maybe not believable that they all mm. went to school. It's, it's important that they went to college together sort of thing. They're all around the same age. They're all in, like, their kind of late 40s. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't That's know. A- I, don't, I don't know if I could cast it. But in terms of the potential for the film to translate to now, it would. I think it would have. Yeah, I think it would do well. Last one. I'll I'll add it to my list of things to watch. Um, nice one. That's it. We've we've done another one. I think this might be long. Uh, last time we had an abundance of, of technical <laughs> difficulties, um, and we were operating on a inferior Zoom account. We've we've. But I still think this might be a longer episode. We've definitely I, covered a lot. Uh, yeah. And I was very aware of time because I know that you, you were like, look, I need to get to sleep. And it's really dragged out, but we just had so many tangents. Um, it's been a lot of fun having you back. Thank you so much for having me back. Um, I'm down for a derailed chat. <laughs> uh, you'll definitely be back in the future. Um, we'll be having you back when we, when we get into the next phase. Um, but that's going to pretty much do it for this week's episode. So, uh, I do need to let you know, Maddie. I've looked at the gauge, and I am just about out of plutonium, uranium. I've got enough juice in the tank to get one of us home. So I'm going <laughs> to send you back to the present because I invited you here foolishly, um, and I'm just going to make my way through time for a while. So I'm telling you, you just need to call on Falcor. He'll turn up. He'll get yeah. you home. <laughs> he'll, he'll flutter his lashes at me and then get he stuff. Will. Just get lost <laughs> on me. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen with me because I'm, I'm going to be, I think, floating in the abyss for a while, but at least I've got my movies to keep me company. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much uh, for, for coming back. Really did appreciate it. Had a great time. Um, for those listening in, please follow on Instagram. I was Teenage Film Snob with underscores between each word because, hey, why not? Instagram's kind of weird like that. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, Anchor FM. Uh, and that's pretty much it. So, uh, as I say every week, I was a teenage film snob, but I'm trying to be better. We'll see you next week. Hey, guys, it's James. I am currently floating in a vast nothingness of space and time. Uh, If you have a way to send fuel to me, please do it. Otherwise, I will uh, try to get home soon. I'm not sure where my time machine is going to take me next, but hopefully they've got movies there. Uh, And more importantly, hopefully they have fuel so I can get back to where I need to be. Uh, Stay tuned and uh, I'll be back soon.